0: This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. An hour and 45 minutes since some of you have asked about my record for zipping through a Seahawks game recorded. I I wanted to get that in there sometime, you know. In my searching for God uh, years, which would have been my early 20s, um, I, I, I saw a play. And I wanna, it's a play by Samuel Beckett and the name of that play is Waiting for Godot. Anybody heard of that? It's a, it's a famous play. Um, it's, it's a very frustrating play. <laughs> And uh, I didn't, when I went to it, I didn't really have a clue what it was about. But here's the deal, that I'll tell you what it's about. It's about nothing. (laughs) You know, Seinfeld was a show about nothing, but it was funny. This is just a show about nothing. (laughs) Or a a play about nothing. Act one is about nothing. Act two is about nothing. And it's really frustrating. uh, But in, in Samuel Beckett sort of, teased a bit. Um, I've, I've done a little bit of reading about it since. And waiting for god could be interpreted as waiting for God. And one of the suggested meeting, uh, meanings f- uh, of the play, and by the way, Godot is a character who, who never comes. And so they're just waiting for him. And you wait for him in act one, and he doesn't come. You wait for him in act two, he doesn't come. And that's the end of the play. <laughs> you know, and... Um, but one of the meanings it, it suggested is that uh, it's frustrating to be a human being, and it's frustrating to watch a play about this, where um, people are looking for some external source of salvation that never comes. And, okay, I spent two hours figuring that out, you know, and, uh, you know, just some advice. If you're going to go to a play, go see My Fair Lady. <laughs> Or Les Miserables, you know, something that, that has, a, 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 a you know, a, a plot. That'd be nice. But um, there's something about waiting for Godot that illustrates um, chronic waiting. And, uh, by the way, chronic is a funny word, isn't it? it, it I'm assuming it comes from our word, the word chronos, chronological, meaning time. And... Um, but it's always bad, Nobody, nobody's ever chronically joyful or, or <laughs> laughing or happy, Chronic, I'm just chronically happy, you know. But when you're, so chronically uh, waiting, and, and this is where I, I wanna get into your hearts a bit if I can, or maybe, you know, that's God's job, but I'll do my best to facilitate that, that I, we're all waiting for something in our lives and at different places, different points in life, the fill in the blank is different for each of us, but um, we've brought up some of this this, this series. Uh, we started out with a couple that was waiting for to conceive a child, and that's a very real thing. For what is it? One out of six couples that are trying to uh, have a baby. It's not. It doesn't always just happen. Or waiting for a spouse and. Um, Most of us have been in that place if we're married. We had to, it didn't just happen, right? Or waiting for that job that um, maybe that that job that you've always wanted, or waiting for a spouse to come home that things are not working out in the marriage, waiting for a child to come home from (laughs) Prodigalville, wherever that might be. But waiting is a part of life. And in the story of Israel's history, there's just a ton of waiting that goes on in this in this book. You know, most of this book is about, if you could say it's all about waiting, and then at the end, the last words in the, at the end of the book of Revelation are, come Lord Jesus, we're waiting. Basically, we're waiting for you. So it's, it's a book about waiting. It's tracking a promise of waiting through 2,000 years from Abraham to the time of Christ. And we run into these characters in the Christmas story who have been waiting. And the theory is here that we can learn from them how to wait better. So what are you waiting for? That's my question this morning. And for some of you, it's very, uh, that's a very acute question, what you're waiting for, even though you're waiting chronically for something. Uh, But it might be, you know, I think one of the hardest things to wait for is a health report. When you know there's something that's not right with your body, but you don't know what it is yet, and you're waiting for the doctor's, To tell you. I mean, that's a really hard place to be. And if you can't think of anything on your list, and we're going to pray about this later, so that's why I want you to identify in your heart. And I think if you're honest with yourself, you'll find something that's there. But waiting, um, let me just give you something if you don't have anything on your list. How's that? We have a mess right now in Washington, D.C. And I know it's, you know, you can, I'm not trying to be cynical or, or even playful with this, but it's just a real mess. And as you go through this Christmas season, you're gonna hear probably at some point the Messiah and particularly the Hallelujah Chorus and he will reign forever and ever. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and that waiting, that sense of waiting, longing for that day could be part of your prayer this morning. All right, so I want to get this, uh, we're going to focus in on three words here that will take us through this. Uh, The word remnant is a super big word uh, to understand, particularly in the Old Testament. And um, the way we approach that word is to remember the promise that was given to Abraham. So 2,000 years before Jesus came into this world, there was a promise made to this named Abraham. Who had no children, and he was given the promise of having descendants forever I mean just multiple huge promise and you wonder how's God going to keep that because they they 're without child they, they can 't Sarah is barren, and at any rate twenty five years of waiting for Isaac to come along and then things happen from there. But that's a long time to wait, 25 years. But how about 2,000 years of waiting for the nation of Israel to fulfill that promise, which was that they would be blessed in order that they would be a blessing to the whole world. And that prayer had not been fulfilled or that promise had not been fulfilled. And during Israel's history, I want you to think of, uh, we have candles here. And so think of a candle that sometimes it turns into a blowtorch, just Huge light, like during uh, the time of Moses or the time of Elijah or the time of David, the king. And at other times, it's just, you can't hardly, it's just flickering and you're not sure if it's still lit. That promise still valid. And you might think of the book of Judges where everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes and particularly the exile when the whole nation was, or most of the nation was taken to Babylon and the Jewish people, the Israelites were scattered And then just a few came back, make 10% maybe, came back to Jerusalem and uh, that was a real trying time. So this promise had great challenges. Can God still keep it is the question that they had to deal with. Even in the darkest days though, so the, the flickering moments of that candle, there was always a, there's our word, remnant. There was always a faithful few within the nation of israel at large there were a faithful few a smaller group who held on to that promise by faith but most people didn't national israel those who were who were israelites by blood and by nationality would would focus in on, um, and think about our nation, or think of Israel today, if you'd like. They focus in on the military, political, economic, religious structures of the nation, and they're concerned with the survival of the nation. And the people who are in the spiritual Israel are focused on the kingdom of God. What are you? I mean, where's your focus? As you pray for Washington, D.C., where's your focus? Who's gonna reign forever and ever, you see? This is the promise that God has made. These promises become the food that sustain us for life. In the Christmas story, uh, we run into these characters, Now, between the exile, which is around 500 BC, and the time of Christ, so in those 500 years, something happens in Israel. A lot happens, but uh, they're called the silent years, but they're really packed with meaning. And one of the things that happens is people begin to realize that Israel as a nation isn't gonna be what they thought it was gonna be. It's not gonna happen the normal way things happen with nations. God's gonna have to intervene in history, and there's a particular character who's gonna have to do it. And that word for that character that title is Messiah and it's like a drumbeat that gets louder and louder and louder and in the first century they don't know exactly know what Messiah means but they, there's a longing for Messiah amongst the remnant and these uh, people that we've run are like people like uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, his wife and Mary and Joseph and today Simeon and there's another woman named Anna uh, that we aren't gonna focus on her so much, but she's in there. And there's others. These are representatives of this remnant, this this true Israel within Israel, this longing for God's kingdom. And they are described generally as devout and righteous, as is Simeon today, and um, uh, upright. They're longing for, they're waiting for, here it says that Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation, it's not like a consolation prize. It's a consolation in terms of the things of the heart. That the promise of God when it's made is gonna, it's gonna make everything right. Uh, yeah, sadness will be no more. And so uh, they've experienced God, all these characters, they've experienced God either as an angel or today's, in Holy, uh, with Simeon it's the Holy Spirit whom he's experienced his voice. So there's, there's, there's a lot going on here. We're going to focus in on Simeon. And um, he's an older man in, in this, it seems, because he's told what? He's told that he's going to actually see. The Holy Spirit says to him, makes a promise to him, you will see the Messiah before you die. And then when he sees, we'll get to this, but he holds the baby in his arms, and he says, now I can die in peace. It's a beautiful picture, So, uh, this week, I want to just tell you a story, because I was, you know, part of my life is to reflect on these things, and that I have experiences in life, and so on Thursday, Patty and I went down to uh, Olympia, which is our old old place that we lived, and the reason we went there was because of um, a phone call I got a while back of... um, a man who is now 86 years old, who I, I knew he, we knew he and his wife 25 years ago when we lived there. And we led a small group. And the phone call was that he is dying and he's in hospice, would like you to do his service. Once he dies, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> so it's not why I went down there 30, I mean that was, but so I went down to, and I, and I thought this is a good time, i, I go down there and, and talk with him and get a sense of who he is. I mean 25 years is a long time to have not had any contact with someone, so uh, we went down there, and um, just some reflections on that on that time. It was very rich. We spent an hour and a half, and he's on. He's got the oxygen tanks and all that stuff going. But but it was his his countenance was really wonderful. He had he has joy more than a lot of people who aren't in his place. He has joy. And he kept, saying, he kept saying this phrase, and Patty and I reflected on this, but he says, do you want to hear a faith-building story? <laughs> he kept saying that, and he would tell these stories. And he says, and then he looked at his watch, he says, how much time do you have? I have a lot more stories, you know. <laughs> and, and I said, well, my faith, my, my, you know, my faith story here, it's up to here. I don't know how much more I can take, you know. So, But he told these faith-building stories. But the thing that really stood out to me, and this, this it kind of relates to the story here, is um, he said more than once, he says, you know, I might be home for Christmas. And he, you know, and at first I wasn't sure how to, exactly how to take that because there's Christmas trees in the background, there's stockings on the fireplace there. And, but he's talking about that place that Jesus has prepared for him. And he said it with a smile on his face. It was just, you know, it's beautiful. It was beautiful. We were so blessed to have been there. But then, um, I, that's, so that was part of it. But then the other part, in, in terms of, of waiting, and he doesn't know what when he will go. He's already gone way past what the doctor said. But he's longing for that. And then uh, I asked him about 25 years ago when I was leading that small group, uh, he and his wife, and she was... There too on Thursday. 56 years of marriage, I think it is. And uh, they had a son. This is, you know, in our small group, we would pray for each other and share life together. And they had a son back then in the early 90s um, who had been in trouble and had, had actually, he had, this happened while we were in our, I mean, during the time we had our group, he had killed someone and was in prison. And so I just felt like I should ask him about that. Because he, he was talking about his kids, but he hadn't talked about his son. And I uh, wasn't sure what I would get, but um, he told me that um, they, that he was prob- his son was, was still in prison and he probably would be the rest of his life. And then um, he said that they, you know, they had prayed and loved him over those years. And when he had first shared this with me back, I remember, I can still remember back 25 years ago when they talked about this, they would look down and the words would be hard to get out, that their son had killed someone. There was shame in it. It was heartbreak for them as parents. And this son had been raised in a, in a Christian home and all. And then... Um, But he told me how during those years, how he, the son, had become a follower of Jesus in a deeper way. And now in his prison, and he's in Texas, uh, he leads other people to Christ. He disciples them. He has purpose and meaning in life. And I want to tell you, the look on the father's face was one of pride, absolute pride, in his son who has a life sentence. It was so beautiful. And so he can die in peace. I thought, wow. Cool. That is... And there's no real hope of that son ever getting out of prison. But he will be in eternity. A free man. Waiting for God. A faithful remnant waiting for God. So... um, how do we get through? I'm going to get a little bit practical here. How do we get through into the waiting? And I, want to get, I just want to think about two things that might be helpful, kind of practical stuff. I hope, practical. And we're, we're actually going to close with this in our prayer at the end here. So the first thing, though, is to pray impatiently. And I know that sounds good because we're talking about patiently waiting, basically. But you know in scriptures there's a lot of people, particularly in the Psalms, they pray impatiently. How long, <laughs> oh Lord? Do you want me to read Psalm 13 a little bit for you? Just in case you're thinking I'm making this stuff up. <laughs> this is one of my favorite psalms. And uh, I don't know. I, I just identify with it. And I've sat with people who identify with it. How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? That's how you feel. That's an impatient prayer. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Anybody wrestling with their thoughts this morning? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Now that's not how the psalm ends, thankfully, (laughs) but that's all I'm gonna read for you. Because it gives us permission to pray impatiently. It's just, it's a good thing. It's It's an act of faith to pray impatiently. For the the, the person in a bad marriage, I, mean, I, I think of of, of uh, by the way, this isn't my wife's prayer, but uh, <laughs> she didn't laugh. She didn't laugh. You guys, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, okay, just but and, I, and I'm hesitant to make a joke out of that one because it's true. We have bad marriages. Um, I mean, that, that happens. And then our daughter-in-law, um, after after her third, she had, a, she had one miscarriage and then she miscarried two twins. And uh, how long, oh Lord, how long? How long must I wait? Um, for the person who's waiting for that, that perfect job, I, I actually got in a conversation this week with a, a mailman. You wouldn't think a mailman would have much time to talk to a pastor these days, but yeah, um, we talked quite a while, and and he you know it boiled down to he was he 's waiting this is really this is a little different, but he 's waiting for himself to change he 's impatient with the change that he sees in himself, and why can 't he be as patient with other people as God is with him and We had this great conversation he 's waiting pray impatiently and then pray for here 's this is another practical thing, but just, if you're in that place, in a in a strong way, just pray for the strength to get through, not the year, not the month, but to get through the next 24 hours. To get just one day at a time, that phrase, but it, it's biblical. And so remember in the Old Testament where the um, the children of Israel they were supplied each day with manna that would come down from heaven, and that was to be their food for how many days one day and then there was an exception to that on on the Sabbath, but basically for forty years that 's a long time to wait to go into the promised land waiting for god 's promise for forty years each day. God gave them enough food for that day, and that reminds us of something Jesus said, does it not, in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day, today. Our son, our, our third son, we always think about, it when we hear that phrase, this day, he, would, he just had a hard time. He was time challenged, chronologically disordered, whatever you want to say. But he was only three or four years old and probably all went through this. But he would say, this day? Is it going to happen on this day? And then he would say things like, the day after yesterday and the day before tomorrow, and we would get all mixed up, you know. <laughs> this day. Just enough strength for this day. That's what we need. That's what God wants us to ask for and that will get us through. Now the promise of, w- of those who wait, I'm gonna quote you uh, best I can from memory. It's, it's, it's every, not everybody's, but a lot of people, it's your favorite verse in the Bible from Isaiah 40. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings of eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint, Right? Something like that. I'm pretty close. Do I get a gold star? You know, okay. All right. So, uh, but that, that's the promise is that those who just keep, who keep, and I'll say those who pray impatiently and those who will take it one day at a time will receive that promise. Here's the, this might help you. Um, there's, there's letters there, and you know, we have to sort that out. What does that mean? And, and one way to read those letters is God is nowhere. And that's what the psalmist said, basically. Where are you, Lord? And you know, there's another way, right? Some of you have figured this out. God is now here, and you, as you walk patiently, as you wait, and you pray impatiently, you can move from God is nowhere to God is now here. And that's, there, there's many who have testified to this. It's, it's the voice of the scripture in the biggest sense. But you, there's a lot of that God is nowhere that comes in. And it's okay to feel that way. But that's where you pray, impatiently, to make God is now here happen in your life. Okay, let's go to the last, the last part, the surprises. I want to get back to the text here. Hopefully this is helpful to you guys. It was helpful to me this week, I'll tell you. Um, the surprises in the text. There, there's a joyful tone as, and, and I, I love the, the imagery of the, old, the older man who's ready to die now that he has seen that which God promised. He went to that place of God is now here. He's feeling God in his hands in the sense that this is the son of God. In his hands, in his arms, holding him. And um, don't over sentimentalize this. We tend to do that at Christmas. This is not just a cute little baby. And we're gonna make that point here in a sec. But it is an amazing thing, what he must have experienced as he held. So that's not really, it's a surprise to him because he knows that God has made this promise to him. It's not a surprise to him, but it might be a surprise to others. That's not the big surprise. And another surprise that we might point to here is that the words that he says when he uh, uh, pronounces a blessing over this child is that it's not just for Israel. He goes back to the and, and Israel would be surprised. It's not just for Israel. It's back to Abraham. It's for the whole world. So that might have been a surprise to some. But the big the big surprise here is what he says. After the blessing, he says something prophetic to, to Mary. And these are uh, really, really hard words because when we think of Christmas, what do we think? We think of peace and joy and love and you know, the, the, the baby in a manger and, you know, and that's where we get a little too sentimental sometimes because what this man says is, it's, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have conflict. This little, cute little baby is going to be the source of many rising and falling in Israel. There's going to be many who speak against him. He's going to create situations where people are going to be in conflict with each other. That's not, that's not the Christmas message, but that's the message of the first Christmas, And Mary, for her, it's really hard because he tells her that your soul will be pierced. Get ready, tough, this is gonna be really, really hard. And so how does Mary, what does she do with that? I mean, when somebody gives you that kind of a prophecy, your soul will be pierced and there's gonna be a lot of conflict. What do you do with that? And she must have carried mean, She's probably the one that told Luke, the gospel writer, here's what I heard. So she carried that with her for 30 some years, wondering what it meant. And then as Jesus does his public ministry, she sees the conflict. She sees that people are, there's nobody, it's either you love him or you hate him. There's no middle ground here. He's not just a great teacher. He says amazing things about himself, and yet with such humility. And people respond to him, they react to him. It is like billiard balls flying around, right? And uh, Mary's watching all that. I'm sure she's still praying for her son, as mothers do. Praying for her son. But then on a Friday, she finds herself looking at her son dying on a cross. And that will pierce your soul. And she is saying, God is nowhere. Don't you think? I mean, all the promises that she's received earlier and now, maybe this helped that her soul is pierced. She's saying, well, at least... I knew something bad was going to happen and this is it. But why God? God is nowhere. I have no sense of God right now in my life. And then two days later, three, on the third day, he's alive and her joy is acute. How's that? Acute joy. And God is now here and in a way that gives her strength forever. So what I want to do right now is get into our hearts, back to us, and say, Lord, what can we learn from these characters who waited? And I want to shape a prayer. I want to ask you to pray with me. Uh, we'll, we'll use some of the scripture from this, from, uh, that, we, that we quoted here. Let's, let's pray together. Let's we'll start with Psalm 13. We pray impatiently, O Lord. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? Will you forget the things that I'm struggling with forever? How long will you hide your face from me? God, you are nowhere to be found. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and have sorrow in my heart? How long, O oh Lord? And allow, allow that prayer to be your your prayer. With the Holy Spirit of God, allow him to apply that prayer to our, your heart and Lord we pray also give us today our daily bread give us strength to get through this day and to wait for better days give us strength to walk faithfully with you each day drinking in your grace that we need your grace is our strength your joy is our strength then receive the promise that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength they will rise up on eagles wings they will run and not grow weary they will not walk and they will not faint Lord we take these words from and apply them to our hearts and you the Holy Spirit of God are the one who does that in a way where we say yes Lord we want to wait with you we want you to renew us renew me today we pray in Jesus name